Uh, it's going to be one of those. Uh, it's, one of the, it's been one of those mornings, hasn't it, Giles? One of those shit podcasts. It's going to be one of the shit. Well, look, who knows? Sometimes you can make silk out of a sow's purse. Here. Um, Do you want to start? I've got uh, something for you. I've got. I've got. A, I've got a question for you. Why is it going to be shit? Because, because, because. Oh, you want to? Oh, you want to talk about our lives? I think people need to know. You know, you have to wear it out there because we didn't sleep very well. And why was that? Because I went to see the Flash film with my old friend Josh. Oh, was, you went to see the Flash? Was it terrible? It's had slightly mixed reviews. It, speaking as a man with a collection of four hundred Flash comics in the attic, <laughs> it it certainly... and amazingly married. <laughs> And yes, it's funny. Rochester kept his wife in the attic. I, I keep my flash comics in the attic. Really, I'd rather keep my wife in the attic and have my flash comics here at the I, kitchen table. I understand. I understand. So I went to see this movie with my old friend Josh, and he ran around a lot, and it was kind of okay. And then all the universes blew up, and then I went mm-hmm. for a Chinese. Great. But um, it's just it was, sorry, I came in at midnight. But I wasn't like drunk, smelling of perfume. No, you came, no, no. You came in. You came in and, and, and you came in clattering about, slamming doors, and woke me up. And then an hour later, it wasn't an hour later. It was an hour later. Was an hour later. I went back to sleep, and then you and then you fucking poked me awake to tell me that our flights were wrong for our summer holiday when they weren't. Uh, do you have something that you want to discuss, or shall I move on? You well, don't. You don't. Um, no, I've, got, I... I've got a really, I've got a very, very good one. Um, Go on then. Which is about how festivals are making themselves more appealing to Gen Z. Gen Z is the little one. They're the little ones, yeah. So, so Kitty is the last year of Gen Z, and Sam is the first year of Gen Alpha. So that's how little we're talking. Right. Um, and it's about how how festivals are going to be made um, more appealing for Gen Z. How could they be made more appealing for you? Fair enough. So where's this story? Where's that? Uh, the Tuesday's Times, oh, Monday's Times festivals. page 17. Festivals clean up their acts to entice teetotal Gen Z, right? Mud, leaky tents and overindulgence used to be the part and parcel of the British summer festival experience. But with Gen Z, now the target audience, organisers have had to adapt, offering alcohol-free beer and a clean living atmosphere. Okay, so that's basically the story. Or it could either be how a festival could adapt to suit me or how it could be Thank God, maybe this spells the end of festivals. This spells Fine, the, the end first, of other people having fun, and I'm the not. The first happy. funny thing is, what are you saying? That, that, so it's Gen Z don't like it being all muddy and. Uh, they, the festival organisers are increasingly meeting the wants of Generation Sensible, who are less likely than their forebears to drink, take drugs, or have sex. And there's lots of stuff about. Which we thought was the only reason, because I hate the idea, and festivals have never been to one, I wouldn't want to go, and the only really upside would be the drink, the drugs, and the sex. You take that away, and you're just standing in the field listening to shit music. Queuing for the lose. Queuing, yeah. And so not, I, not even like tripping while you're queuing. For I the love the fact that they, and also they, 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 there, will be, there will be sort of festival goers of the Gen X variety who go, ah, oh, no, you know, they, they don't, they're not tough like we were, they can't put up with the mud and the thing and the thing. Whereas their grandparents talked about our generation needs a war. You know they got they're not. They're, well, Glastonbury was hundred percent a certain generation's war. Yeah. Yes, exactly. This is but this is the level of softness we've come to. Yeah. Where you've got parents who think that the children don't like it up and they don't they don't, they haven't been through the hardship of Glasgow in the nineties. Yes. Yes. Uh, when yes. you could get punched by Liam Gallagher and yeah, have a wig, wig out on die. I mean, die bad from ecstasy. To bad ecstasy on yeah. legal drugs. Yeah, exactly. No, I I, I think Glastonbury. My antipathy the... towards festivals is sort of well known. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a bit pompous, isn't it? Is it but boring? I mean, but it's like. I'm just no, it's not that. It's that do you have anything new to say about it is the only thing that matters. Maybe not. 
Um, not really. Okay, fine. Um, I think the only way they could make it nice for me would be to would be a comfy chair and put the cricket on. You can't and that, that isn't really a festival. And I'm going to Lords on Wednesday and Friday, which that's my festival. You're coming with me on Wednesday. I sure am. Drink drugs and sex. As long as it's with Joe Broad. Really? Or Jimmy Anderson. Hmm? Maybe Jimmy Anderson. He's old. But he just looks like you. I mean, that was. Do you think? Yeah. Oh, he's very handsome, Jimmy Anderson. He is very handsome. He, the yeah. funny thing is, he's just like the oldest cricketer in the history of the world. Is he? And I could be his father. Is he? How old is he? 28. No, no, no. He's 40. Is he? Yeah. He's he, my is he age. He's 41. He's 41. He's 41. My God, he's my age ish. Uh, you look all kind of. Yeah, yeah, no, he'll be already. Nice dad bod. He looks like he's got a nice solid Oh no, he'll, solid he'll be a better bod. than a dad bod. A dad bod is nice what you think I've got. Dad bod. No, no, no. He's but he bowls. He bowls. Uh, he he'll be in the gym for two hours a day. He bowls and bowls and bowls mm, and bowls. He will be ripped and buff, slightly hairy, nicely toned. He'll have a he'll have a farmer's tan. I fucking. <laughs> I've always I've met him as well. The thing about oh, him, have he's you? so much taller than you think. He's oh, actually like he? about six foot four. Because Broad, Broad's about six six and makes him look short. Broad is a lovely man. I think Broad is regarded as a sort of bastard in cricket because he? well he's an angry fast bowler he was an enforcer in his youth he bowled lots and lots of bouncers he's very gets the crowd with him and stuff I think he's a sort of sorry I get a emotional he's a, <laughs> he's a very tough competitor Brody uh, uh, but he's also a sort of vague pal of mine and I and he is absolutely wonderful I blonde did a, men blonde men don't age very well though um, I did a terrible thing not really grasping how that Brody and I are friends. And the Sam first ever test match, we went to the Ireland test four years ago and Stuart got us tickets. And I've got the sort of envelope, you know, for Giles and Sam, Stuart, you know, and there's his signature on it. It's amazing. And we went, and he's lovely. And I've done a ch- cricket, so some charity stuff with him a few times. But he was, we were playing Sri Lanka a while ago and they were batting really, really bravely. And they'd nearly, they'd nearly got a draw. And Stuart came on and bowled bouncers and hit them on the head and knocked them out. And we won the test. And I tweeted back in the days when I tweeted things. Uh, it wasn't the most trouble I've ever got into, but I said, oh, it's a bit sad. You know, the kids were doing so well and then Brodie's come on like the sort of sixth former when the little kids are playing and just bully them out of the game. And Stuart then replied and saying, it's test match cricket, Charles. <laughs> I've been playing for five days and I just was bowling balls to get them out. You should try it sometime. Something like that. And I went, <laughs> and I, it's just like I, England's most lethal fast bowler, who I was quite friendly with, has seen me being a dick on Twitter about his bowling. And I, ever since, every time I see him, it's just, I'm sorry about that thing. I'm really sorry about that thing. And it really was a failure of me, to, as an armchair cricket fan, mm-hmm. feeling a bit sorry for the Sri Lankans. And literally... Because if you were Stuart Broad, you'd go out there and be nice. Oh, yes. <laughs> well, it's also every other cricketing nation just wants to win. But the kind of posh English cricket fan like me, sort of wants the other chaps to have a go, feels a bit guilty about colonialisation and stuff. Mm. They're only little, those Sri Lankan Johnnies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, it was very embarrassing. Um, that is super embarrassing. So, it's not the most embarrassing thing you've ever done, but it's close. Yeah, quite close. What I do want to talk to you about, and I do have a genuine question uh, for you, yeah. is I want to talk to you about... Basball. Okay. Um, and because I think Basball is quite interesting. Giles, could you just run us through what Basball is? Basball is a term that's been applied to the revolutionary <laughs> way that the England cricket team have been approaching Test cricket for the last year. Uh, cricket Test cricket's been in the doldrums for a long time. It, it's slow. It famously takes five days. Ooh, five days. IPL, the Indian Premier League, has been, which plays 2020, and the 100, which is an even shorter tournament, has been turning attention away from the longer game. It was it for hundreds of years, well, 150 years, the games have ended in draws. It's all been very slow. 
we got a new coach, Brendan McCullum, known as Baz. He's an aggressive New Zealand cricketer. But anyway, they've played this very, very exciting cricket and attacking from the word go, not brooking no uh, concept of a draw. Mm -hmm. We will not bat for a draw, we will win. We will bring crowds back to test cricket. We will free and enable our players to to play cricket and enjoy cricket. And and it's it's beautiful. And he says, you know, playing cricket for England should be the most fun you've ever had. So... This is relevant because we have come to the end of the first test of the Ashes. Yes. And the score was, who won? Oh, I see, Australia. Australia won. Okay. I was trying, I don't want to even think about a- it. Am I, wa- I was watching the a- fucking Flash because we went on so late, and I had to I sit there watching-, watching this stupid superhero movie. I felt for you as I watched the end of it with Sam. It was very, very exciting and then sad. Did Sam cry? No, he didn't cry, but he was very sad. So, Australia have won the first test, okay, and... Uh, on the back pages of all the news, uh, all the newspapers this morning, it's Baz Brawl, you know, Baz Ball Zero, Australia, Oz Ball yeah. One or whatever. Okay, so so am I right in thinking that Australia does not play like this? No, Australia. Are they playing old man defensive? Chasing no, they're playing old fashioned, old fashioned Australian aggressive but attritional cricket. Okay. Which is, some would say they don't go out there and just sort of flog their wickets away. Okay. What do you? I mean, the, the, what, what do you want to know? Well, my question for you is that as a columnist, as a as a male columnist who who loves cricket, I reckon you get probably one cricket column per year because otherwise it's just too boring, mm-hmm. and we don't know how the editor feels about cricket. Do you know how the editor feels? We know he doesn't drive. He's Texas. not a massive fan of it, like the last editor. Okay, fine. Um, so you've really got you've got one cricket column in you. Yeah. When are you going to play your cricket column? Ah, Is it too early in the Ashes to play your cricket column? Well, I don't know. I mean, the the, the I have written about cricket a, a bit this year. Have you? Um, I've written about well, in the context of Sam, I've written about Sam's cricket. But that was a notebook. Last year, I wrote a, my cricket column was about why Stokes is a brilliant captain, not not despite having been caught up in a nightclub brawl but because yeah. of being caused up in a nightclub brawl uh-huh. um, but you know. haven't specifically addressed Baz Ball no I think that's a bit technical for the no for the I don't reader. think it is I, they were talking about it on Radio 4 this morning no I think Baz Ball is a, is a, is a word that's are you, are you off are you no, I'm just getting... Uh, just wandering around. Just, more just bored. A bit more COVID, asleep. The thing that I think is interesting about this podcast, and no one else agrees with me, and I'm no completely on my own, is, is the culture and a method of writing columns. And all columnists have their bugbears, right? All columnists have their things that they want to say, and they have to say them again and again and again because they feel like the first time people people weren't listening or they have their little high horses or they have their little favorite pet subjects that they want to talk about and I want to talk to you about basically you would just write about cricket all the time if you could wouldn't you yeah yeah but you don't get to you only get to write about cricket basically once a year is it too soon to go with your cricket column I suppose there's a thing about the thing is we lost and it's really depressing and the idea is we're all meant to be having a great summer and now we've lost so should we just forget about it no but you've got four more tests to play yeah, but if you lose the first one, does that is that just it? Yeah, that doesn't seem to me like a very baseball attitude. No, it's not. The thing is, but can they carry on playing baseball in the face of it? I think I don't think I could really write about cricket in that way. I think I think I could probably. We've lost the first test, mm-hmm. but we've got to come back and plug on. What can we learn about? What about life? What about yes? So yes, so yes. it's like you've you're fifty three. You've you know you haven't you've you've got you've been fired or your mortgage has gone up how do you come back can you come back from this what can we can you apply basball to life 
Life according to Basball. Have I done that? Have I done life according to Basball? Definitely not. Um, See, so that... Basball, Basball goes, fuck it, I'm not changing. And I keep on only more so. Yeah, well, I mean, as in the words of the, psych- well, the psychiatrist, Dr. Phil Stutz, of whom I'm a massive fan, he says, life is not about making the right decisions all the time. Life is about acting in good faith and eating the consequences. Those are the people who are happiest. And that is the principle of Basball. The principle of Basball is acting in good faith and eating the consequences. See, I, and that's fine. I, I would argue that I, I mean, yes, well, that is, yes. Okay, fine. You don't have to mention Dr. Phil Stutz. Phil Stutz is my personal hobby horse that I would write about every single week, but I don't get to. Right, that's enough of cricket, okay? Because oh, we've just bled so many listeners. But yeah. I know, but I just feel and now like... now we can bleed I just, I just feel like even our non-cricket player listeners would be interested in what basball is. How to apply basball to your life generally. It would be much, much better if we just won the test. Of course. But it could be basball, let's not back down. Apply basball to the way you eat. But then you, then it would be very funny if you if you took it a little bit too cricket at times. You know, you'd like a bit too cricket about so, eating. If you if you like, you know, if your if your turkey's from the mid off, then make sure. If you you're... want to reverse scoop your first ball of the day for six. Yeah, yeah. Then just keep on eating pizzas or something. Yeah, exactly, something like that. Kind of, I think that would be a funny. That would be a funny juxtaposition. Go at it. Like, go hard. Never change your plan. Yeah, exactly. Eat that cheeseburger or whatever. I just think that like mixing, mixing like crick, like mad cricket terminology with like diet instructions might be quite funny. Or like you know, if you, for example, like okay, this is how to roast the chicken. You're smiling. <laughs> yes, well, you that would that would be hard to extend. I think roasting the chicken. No, if like the pan is like the wicket, right? Roasting a no, roasting a chicken in the basball <laughs> style would be the traditional way with a chicken is to let yeah. it come to room temperature. Put it, fill it with onion and sage and garlic and a lemon, and then turn it and then put it on at twenty degree, at two hundred degrees for twenty minutes, and then turn it down. The basball way is just to put the oven on hot, slam it in, shut it, cook it, eat the mofo, yeah. regardless. Yeah. And then if it, does, if it doesn't work, do it again until it does. Okay, great. Okay, well, look, that's an option, isn't it? Yeah. Life according to basball, right? Food, driving, exams. Don't bother with preparation. Just, holidays. Yeah, hol- holidays. Yeah. Makeup, Crew. putting your makeup on. Ladies, <laughs> ladies, here's how to put your makeup on the basketball way. way. That's an idea, isn't it? Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Okay, okay. Uh, do you want to talk about naps? I think you... Yes, yeah. yes, yes. So naps. Front page uh, of the time. I believe that Tuesday. was yesterday. So front page is like, stay sharp in later life by taking more naps. A 20 minute nap is sufficient to renew all the vital forces, Winston Churchill opined. And its benefits may be felt well beyond the afternoon, according to research that found that a regular siesta could stop the brain shrinking in later life. Now, I always thought that naps were a sign of dementia. Or like early onset dementia. 
That's been like the narrative for the last three or four years. So this is quite interesting, isn't it? Because you are just king nap, aren't you? Yes. But you have also written about your naps in the past. Not really. I mean, mm. the nap being a sign of dementia, I hadn't noticed if I'd heard that. There's, there's being sleepy in the afternoon is different. So there's being sleepy in the afternoon, which is, uh, this, for example, this Glucose Goddess book that's out that's yeah. nearly top of the Amazon mm. charts. That's about sugar spikes with food. Yeah. And if you're feeling tired in the afternoon... Look at what you're eating. Look yeah. at what, I think if you're feeling tired in the afternoon, then it's because you're, you've been born. And you yes. are, you know, it is, an, there, is a, there are psychotic rhythms and I think you should sleep in the afternoon. There is, there is, um... My problem is not feeling sleepy in the afternoon. My problem is feeling depressed in the afternoon. I hate afternoons. But yeah. what am I going to write? I mean, we all, people know it's good. How to have a nap? Yes, I think it would be the gut. The gut. Let me, settle down, everybody. Let me, because you can't, you can't just do nap any old way. Um, you know, this is how you have a nap. Kind of gorilla naps, mo- unexpected mo- naps. Motorway drives, you can just, you can take about five seconds. If you're going fast, make sure you're not coming <laughs> up to an exit. Just rest your head. I once fell asleep on a motorway. Uh, when I was at university and I was picking up a friend from Heathrow Airport at six in the morning and I thought the way to do it was to bat, play, play cards, play poker, bat through, leave at four and then Ooh. drive to the airport. And he was at Terminal 4. Uh, it was at Terminal 3 and I remember, the Terminal 4 because the exit's first because I was driving from Oxford. Uh, and I was driving and I go, there's the exit up ahead. And I was quite sleeping. You know, your eyes are just shutting and you're oh, driving yeah, yeah, yeah. and you think, I'll just shut my eyes just for a second. And I did and I looked up and it was a different exit showing. And I looked in the rearview mirror and I'd slept past the Terminal 4 turn-off. From, from that, I learnt to pull over and have a sleep when driving. And therefore, when driving, like, you know, trying to bomb down to the south of France overnight on the Autoroute du Soleil, do that. You can do door-to-door from North London to, to Marseille in 12 hours. But you have to pull over as soon as you're feeling sleepy. You don't take your nap while the car's moving. You pull over into the, into the, into the uh, hard shoulder... Lie down and then shut your eyes the, and fall asleep for 10 minutes, wake up and go. The only way to approach this is by being ridiculous, right? So kind of, it's like extreme napping. Okay, and then, and then sometimes you get an unexpected nap. Like you were watching something on the telly and then you wake up and it's suddenly over. Naps on the beach, naps in cars, naps, uh, the kind of naps that you take when you're trying to get your kid to sleep and you're like, or they're being a bit difficult and you sort of lie down next to their cot. And There's you naps up in the House of Commons. Four in the morning, naps in the House of Commons. Jacob Rees-Mogg. Yeah, and others, absolutely. Um, there's a certainly a thing, I, I will, you're quite right, the nap is really, writing about the nap is all I want. It, it, the, 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 I, I've always thought that the two great traumas in life, the two are being born and dying. Mm-hmm. And the space in between is basically the sleeping. Yeah, and then there's this, the life crashes in because because the other there are other, I quite often like today for example when I didn't get very much sleep uh, last night I look at the day where are my napping opportunities mm-hmm. so for example I'm going for lunch at the River Cafe uh, in my very stressful long day uh, and I'm thinking yeah cab Uber thirty five minutes mm. um, I could have a nap if I if I've got an French- Uber if I got an Uber exec. Um, Yes. Everybody's naps on the tube. I mean, that's a sort of lap, lack of oxygen. It and is. you see people go, oh, and you think, I'll never be that guy. And quite uh-huh. often, I don't even have time to think the whole sentence before, <laughs> I, before I've fallen asleep. So, um, Don Naps. What about the Megan podcast coming to an end after one series? Oh, but that's just so funny, isn't it? It is. And, all, and, and I'm, I'm sorry, look, I, it's fine. I wish them well. But the Spotify. That, that Spotify guy. Let's get them. Let Saying story. that they're grifters. Saying that they're I, grifters. It's the Sunday papers. Just, I don't think we've got them. No, yet. it's on Monday. Was it? Yeah, it's Monday. Um, so it was out. The story was out on Sunday, but it was put on Monday. <clears throat> Excuse me. Spotify boss blasts Sussex swindle. It's interesting how having 
massively sort of gaslit the whole of the UK and the whole of the royal family. They've then gone to America and done the same to them, but the Americans haven't stood for it. That's that's the thing that I think about it that's so interesting and amusing. Well, the reason that the royal, the royal family lost patience with them is not because they are... Systemically racist. Mm. Uh, it's because they're fucking boring and entitled and shit. Yeah. And so... and. People like like Spotify and probably Netflix is going to go next. They are not systemically racist. They are systemically quite the opposite. And their whole sort of power base and branding is based on being inclusive uh, and uh, appealing to young people. No, they are, they are also at the top of the capitalist tree. I mean, in a way, sort of respect to them. I, mean, I remember talking to you about book advances a long, long time ago. And I was saying, oh, yeah, but you don't want your book advance to be too big because then you won't earn it out. And then you would like... No, you idiot. The whole point is that you get as much money up front as possible and then don't worry about That's the That's because sales. I am a grifter. <laughs> uh, so so but my, my attitude has always been, if you, you, I mean, I had a, the, the deal that I've had for books, I always felt if I earned out, then I fire my agent because he hasn't negotiated a high enough thing. Okay, fine. All right. So how about from one grifter to another? <laughs> this is dear grift, Harry, yeah. Dear Harry and Meghan. Yeah. You think you're You think a you're a grifter? grifter? Um, you say so. Like you, you want to, so can you start? You know, a medium-sized grift, um, Harry. Are you aware of the existence of a thing called restaurant criticism? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying it's a swindle, but it's definitely a grift. It's definitely a grift. Okay. I mean, this is a this is a thing where you have to sort of sit down and really think about it. But from one grifter to another, yeah. This is how you do it, Harry and Meghan. I think it might be quite quite good fun. Okay. Yeah. You, you, I've written end of the alpha lover. Uh, Times <laughs> Tuesday, which obviously spoke to me. Oh, but maybe that's different. End of the alpha. No, but wait, wait, wait. End no, no, of the no, alpha. Wait, wait, no. Tall, dark, and handsome. No readers want a cinnamon roll. So, okay, fine. But maybe does that also that just thinking naturally tie into Mark Rylance's thing about how? It's another story I've written down. But what have you too, written? Well, no. I'm just thinking that you know what what you know what are what are men basically at the what moment. What have you written down about Mark Rylance? Well, Mark Rylance said he was a difficult, angry right. young man. He said. There were more oddballs when he began his career more than 40 years ago, and then at first he was temperamental, moody, and difficult to understand. Uh, Ryland, who won about. No, there's more. It's good, 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 good stuff. He says, I think today I might have got a bad reputation and not been welcome into work. I remember when I first came into the theatre in 1980, I feel there were a lot more oddballs. Da, 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 da. Now I regularly, understandably, meet directors who only want people who are easy to work with, and that can be a loss. So I'm just thinking. So I was thinking, I could write. And they always do best. I could write, I used to be difficult too. Because mm-hmm. I've got a track record of some bad shit and worse shit and some really terrible. But I certainly, behaviour in the office, temperamentality, there for all to see is the email I sent to subs. Mm-hmm. And I sort of lent into that, being difficult. And, you know, as you know, when I was first at the Times, there were complaints about me. A number of things from smoking in the office in non-smoking areas, hard to imagine that world even existed, Shout, disregarding the whole of the rest of the office, went on the phone, just shouting that, having inappropriate posters on the walls around my desk, that all kind of rah, rah, shit, then then disrespecting some, then, I, then email was invented and I would send emails to colleagues that were there, and there was, and then, and then other things. And, and, then, it, and then Twitter came along and everything was fine. And then I got fucked on, and then, but the problem is I lent into it and developed a kind of, uh, professional personality out of it up to mm-hmm, a point mm-hmm. it's very very hard to get away from and I'm probably not difficult anymore um, 
but I wish I hadn't been difficult then, or the, it used to be a world you could be difficult in. Yes, I think or that's more. I think that's more. It. I mean, being difficult <laughs> differentiates you, and being difficult got me a long way, but it only gets you so far. Yeah, it does only get you so far, particularly now. Particularly now, it's it's it, it's very very hard to be difficult. So then I could write a sort of, um, you know, difficult is only interesting up to a point because you have those kind of alcoholic actors, Johnny Depp, you know. Sort of difficult, whoa, too difficult. Ezra Miller, we were talking about with The Flash, he's come up with some bad, he's been doing some bad stuff. Has he? Okay. Um, I mean, there's a difference between... Jeremy Clarkson punching people. It's like, how much difficult do you accept Tom from... Hart, Tom Hardy, endless, endless, endless on film set. They bad, create an environment stories. where you think the bad behaviour is okay and a sense of entitlement. And as ever, I have to go, you know, I'm talking at a very low level or whatever, but I had 15, 16, 17 years on TV... And, and being a sort of face columnist and all that. And within that context, initially, I felt like what they were hiring me for was that I was a twat, difficult, mm-hmm. difficult, mm-hmm. and said things other people don't think. And you always felt, no, that isn't why. Um, you always th- but but, uh, but uh, I sort of felt it was, and uh, over-egged that pudding, until it got me into a sort of difficult place yeah. and a sort of semi-retreat from public life. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, because but the, the public, you know, well, people, me included, not like... I'm differentiating myself but you know people generally can only really cope with the sort of two-dimensional focus on someone particularly someone they're not interested in the people that you're really interested in the people that you really admire you see them for their kind of full well-rounded complex personality but someone that you don't know or don't care about you think you just you apply one label to them you go you know and so to the people who continue to disregard me dislike me mm-hmm. three or four things I've done stand for who I am yeah. and there's nothing I can do about it mm-hmm. and, and so being difficult in the end comes back to whatever mm-hmm. I don't know I mean I don't want well, to I wonder a... what the top line would, would, for that would be I, I used to be difficult too yeah. yeah boring or maybe it's all about how I'm not difficult anymore and then demonstrate how difficult I still am You've been listening to Giles Corrin Has No Idea with me, Giles Corrin. And me, Esther Walker. To find out what I wrote about in the end, pick up a copy of the paper or treat yourselves to a digital subscription. Listener.